Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Evening, everyone. It's great to have you with us this evening. Um, sorry, should have done it earlier. My name is Paul. I'm simply one of the pastors here at Mitcham Baptist Church. And yeah, it's great to have you with us. There's not too many things in this life that I like hate or extremely struggle to deal with. Uh, but there are a few. Uh, being a Manchester United supporter, I cannot stand Liverpool. Uh, oh, sorry, Matt, the one week you chose to come. Liverpool, Arsenal, I don't like City, but Liverpool's like the thing. Being a Carlton fan, Essendon and Collingwood, I was barracking hard for Sydney last night and I loved it. But Pastor Andrew, unlucky, mate. Um, anyway, there's not too many things in this life that I really struggle with or dislike. Hypocrites are one of those things that actually fit that category, though. People who say one thing and do another. People that put out the line, hey, do as I say, not as I do. Stop looking at me sheepishly, Stephen Wright. Um, don't incriminate yourself here, bud. Um, people who say one thing, but they do another. I really struggle with that. Now, when it comes to our text for tonight, we've been working through Corinthians, and it's written by uh, the Apostle Paul. He's written the majority of letters in our New Testament. Now, Paul can be called a lot of things. Some of them, some of the tags that go along with Paul are, are, are great. Others aren't so great. But hypocritical is not really a tag that goes along with this man. He is not someone that calls people to do things that he himself is not willing to do. And we see that again in our passage tonight. In chapter 8 that we covered last week, he's called for the Corinthians to lay down their rights, to lay down their freedoms out of love for the people around them. And here tonight, in chapter 9, he puts himself forward as an example to show that, hey guys, I'm not just talking the talk, I'm, I'm walking the walk, I'm doing what I have called you to do. And he puts himself forward as an example to show that he himself is laying down his rights and his freedoms for the sake of those around him. So let me pray and then we'll have a look at just a couple of what these rights are and why Paul is passionately laying them down. Dear God, thank you for who you are and all you've graciously done for us. Thank you that we have the freedom to gather here this evening and that we can open your word. Lord, through our time in your word, through your Holy Spirit, please reveal more to us of who you are, reveal more to us of who we are, uh, reveal more to us of how offensive sin is towards you and our great need for a saviour that you won't provide, but you have already provided for us in your beautiful son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If you have your Bibles, Corinthians 9 is where we're at in the first 23 verses. Now, often when it comes to Corinthians 9, uh, most people read it in two pretty contrasting ways. Uh, one group of people can see chapter 9 as being a, a justification, a, a defense of Paul defending his conduct towards the Corinthians, defending and justifying why he hasn't taken money from them for his ministry. Others, however, and, and it's where I, I personally seem to agree with, don't view chapter 9 as some justification or as Paul defending himself, but rather view it as an illustration. You see, in these verses, Paul explains why, uh, he explains his model for ministry and he explains uh, why he has offered the gospel free of charge, despite him having every right, theologically and practically, to be paid for his service. 
And in doing this, I think he's offering himself up as a real life example for the principle he was teaching in chapter 8 that we covered last week. That being out of love, believers at times should renounce their rights and renounce their freedoms out of care and love for other believers and other people. That serving our brothers and sisters matters far more than holding on so tightly to the rights and freedoms that we might individually have. That love always trumps our rights and our freedoms. And so therefore, following on from those principles, chapter 9 in that sense, I think it's an extended explanation of why the Corinthians should not eat the idol food that we spoke about last week. And his reasoning's based off his own apostolic ministry. And to make the case, he begins by explaining just why he has these rights in the first place. So let's read verses 1 through 6 of 1 Corinthians 9. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are not you my workmanship in the Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, thank you, James, sorry. If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who would examine me. Do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife, as do other apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas or Peter? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? So to start with, Paul is clearly an apostle. He has seen the risen Christ and and he's established the Corinthian church. And this is him saying that, hey, even if others dispute my authority, which which plenty of people are, he's saying that, hey, you, you Corinthians can't because your very existence is evidence of my apostleship. Paul has planted this Corinthian church and their very existence as a church proves Paul's apostleship. So if anyone has the right to financial support, to receiving food and drink and other material goods from the Corinthians, it's Paul. And broader, if anyone has the right to travel with a wife like the other apostles do, Paul certainly does. If anyone's got the right to refrain from their trade so that they can go into ministry full-time proclaiming the gospel, Paul certainly ticks that box as well. He absolutely has the right to receive income and to be compensated for his preaching of the gospel and now to prove his point further he gives us some human parallels verses 7 to 14 who serves as a soldier at his own expense who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit or who tends a flock without getting some of the milk do i say these things on human authority does not the law say the same for it is written in the law of Moses, you shall, muzzle, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. Is it for oxen that God is concerned? Does he not certainly speak for our sake? It is written for our sake because the plowman should plow in hope and the thresher should thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, do we not even more so? Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple and those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings? In the same way, 
the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. In this section, Paul uses analogies. He uses the law and he uses commands from God himself to back up his point here. With the analogies, Paul's clearly saying that, hey, if soldiers don't work, farmers don't work for free, soldiers don't work for free, shepherds don't work for free, why should why you have to work for free? Now, just a side note, I don't believe that Paul plucks these examples out of thin air, but he does so specifically, I think, to show how he views his apostolic ministry. He views his apostolic ministry as work in which you have to fight, as work in which you have to plant seeds, plow fields, and care for, protect, and shepherd sheep. But anyway, his point is that if all these people don't work for free, well, then why should gospel workers have to work for free? And then with verse 9, he quotes Deuteronomy 25, verse 4, where he points to the law and says, hey, Moses isn't just talking about oxen here, guys. He was talking about the principle that plowing and threshing should be rewarded with a share of the harvest. And Paul had certainly sown spiritually among the Corinthians through preaching the gospel and through his ministry there. And he absolutely has a right to reap from them materially for his ministry. And then he closes out with even, hey, God commands that this should happen. So it's clear from his human analogies, it's clear from the law, and it's clear from God himself as he closes in his verse 14 with a blunt, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. So there should be, and there's no, there's no question about whether or not Paul has the right to receive this payment from the Corinthians. Last week, we are talking about Paul encouraging the Corinthians not to eat the food that had been sacrificed to idols. And there was a question around, well, actually in our Christian freedom, are we free? To, uh, there's a bit of a question in that. And he comes home in chapter 10 and just hammers it. Um, read ahead for that one. But here... There's, a, there's no debate here whether or not Paul deserves to be reimbursed from these Corinthians. They can't look to the Bible and argue why or why they shouldn't have to pay him. There's no debate here. But here comes Paul's point. It's been a long time coming, but in verse 15, it blatantly arrives. Or he points out that, hey, while I possess these rights that aren't up for question, I haven't exercised them. I haven't made use of these rights. Verse 15, it says, But I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing these things to secure such provision. For I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. So 14 verses in, here is Paul's explicit point of this section. I've got these rights, but I haven't used any of them. He's saying, I'm entitled to receive money from you for preaching the gospel, but I have laid my rights down to one side to serve you as effectively as I can. We know through Acts, specifically Acts 18, we see that Paul, by trade, is a tent maker. That's his profession. That's how he supports himself in his ministry. And he's pointing out that, His own life, his own practice of living financially by being a tent maker and being able to offer the gospel for free, that this embodies and is an illustration of what he is calling the Corinthians to do. 
when it comes to their idol food. He's saying love for others is far more important than your right to eat whatever you want or my right to earn what I might even deserve. Love for others is always far more important than holding on to our rights and our freedoms so tightly. Paul has the right to be paid, but he doesn't exercise that right. And this is why his example is so relevant to the Corinthians' behaviour around the idol food that we covered last week. But the question still remains, why? It makes sense why he calls the Corinthians to abstain from the idol food, but why does Paul abstain from being paid even when God himself says that this can happen? Well, I think verses 16 to 23 give us at least two answers to that. One, theological, and the other, more cultural and contextual. Let's read verses 16 through to 23. For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. For necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am still entrusted with a stewardship. What then is my reward? that in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but still under the law of Christ, that I might win those who are outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings." So here Paul gives two main reasons as to why he abstains from being paid for his ministry. And the first one's theological, and it relates to the nature of his call to preach. When people do things by choice, he says, uh, they get paid for them, and rightfully so. But for Paul, the nature of his call, he does not view this as something he does by choice. His gospel ministry is something he, in his mind, is just compelled that he has to do. And so he doesn't get paid for it. Paul, in doing it, Paul is doing it much more as a slave or a servant, as it says in the text, than as an employer. Paul has a relationship with Christ. He is absolutely free, set free from the law, set free from sin, set free from judgment. Yet in his freedom, he has used it to, in a sense, make himself a slave for Christ and for those whom he is trying to minister to. And so just like a slave, who often slaves aren't paid, Paul's not paid either, and he offers the gospel free of charge. And then this image of a slave becomes more explicit with his second reason, which is more cross-cultural or contextual here. Paul doesn't see himself merely as a slave of Christ. But he sees himself as a slave of those to whom he has been sent to preach. In Paul's freedom, he has used it to make himself a slave to those 
he is sent to preach. Paul is absolutely free. But in order to win as many people as possible with the gospel for Jesus Christ, he has chosen to use his freedom to make himself a slave. And the thing is, Paul's slavery to all people doesn't just include income and being reimbursed financially for his ministry. It means that he does anything he possibly can within the law of God to minister to different groups of people. He does anything he can to get to the people he is truly trying to reach. And that means at times he refuses to exercise his freedoms. He refuses to grab hold of his rights and he lays them down all for the sake of winning people with the gospel. And this, of course, is exactly what he is calling the Corinthians to do in regards to the idol food. He's calling them to refuse to eat, refuse to use their freedom to eat the idolatrous food for the sake of winning their fellow brothers and sisters closer to Christ who surround them. And Paul does this wherever he goes and for whomever he's preaching to. He says, if his audience is Jewish, he goes Jewish. If they observe the law, even though he has been set free from the law, he lives as though one's under the law in order to win them. If they're Gentiles and have no idea of the law, he, he doesn't sin, he stays under God's law, but he doesn't live as one under the Jewish law. If they're weak, the ones we spoke about last week, those who um, like an idol food, to being idolatrous and wrong and who limit their diet, if Paul's with them, he becomes weak himself. He limits what he eats. Even though under Christ and being set free from the law, he has every right to eat certain foods, if he's trying to reach a certain group of people who abstain from those foods, he abstains from it because he doesn't want to be a stumbling block. He lays his rights, he lays his freedom down and he becomes a slave to serve those to whom he's trying to reach. And he has become, in one of the most famous lines of the, all the Corinthian letters, he's become all things to all people so that by all possible means he might save some. And so he lays down his rights to receive money because his rewards come from the gospel and his blessings come from the gospel of Jesus Christ. For Paul... His love for others is always more important than holding on to his rights and his freedoms that he might even have. Now, this needs to be our attitude as well. And Matt, and that, you guys can come up. To love others, we too might need to loosen our grip on some of our rights or freedoms that we just cling as tightly to as possible. And we might need to use our freedom to, in a sense, become a slave to those whom we're trying to reach and abstain from certain things for the benefit of the people we're trying to minister to. Not because it's sinful to us or not because we might not be allowed to do it as a Christian, but to remove all stumbling blocks and to win people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. As, so as we close, oh, I simply want to ask you two questions. Who are the people in your life that need a relationship with Jesus Christ? Specifically, who are the people in your life that need a relationship with Jesus Christ? And then what freedoms or rights might you need to lay down in order to reach them properly? 
in order not to be a stumbling block for them encountering Jesus. We've been set free from the law in Christ. There is amazing freedom, but let's not flaunt our freedom in such a way that it becomes a stumbling block. Just because we are free and have the right to do something doesn't mean we should exercise that right in every context all the time. So love for others is Paul's first argument around this for laying one's rights down. And it covers chapter 8. He gives an example in chapter 9. And as we get to, I'm taking some time off, but in three weeks' time, I'll take the school holidays off. But when we get back to the back end of Corinthians 9 and we go into chapter 10, we'll see that, hey, Paul's actually got a second argument coming. Why Christians need to lay down their rights and their freedoms at times. Firstly, yes, we've just covered it. It's out of love for others and to reach others and to care for them. But then chapter 10, he steps it up another level. He's been nice and pretty polite so far. If you read ahead, chapter 10 is where he brings in his second argument. That, hey, loving people's one thing. But if you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ and you claim to love God, then there's a whole nother kettle of fish. You need to do these things out of love for other people. And in chapter 10, he gets to out of love for God. We need to be living this way as well. So I encourage you, read ahead. And in three weeks' time, we'll get to that. But let me pray. Dear God, thank you so much for who you are and all you've graciously done for us. We praise you that you have set us free, set us free of sin, set us free of death, free of condemnation. And God, you have set us free from laws here to and blessed us with freedoms to humanly be able to just enjoy certain things and certain foods and certain ways of life and lord may we enjoy those freedoms but god may we not hold on to them so tightly in such a way that at times they might become a stumbling block to others truly receiving the gospel in a life-changing way may we be more concerned with love for the other people in our world who you have created than with holding on so tightly to the freedoms that we think we might deserve or be entitled to. God, so just practically going into this week, may we consider who the people are in our lives who need to hear the gospel, who need to be saved by you. And let us consider whether there's anything we might be able to either actively do or actively stop doing that might potentially be getting in the way of them seeing your goodness for who you are, who you view them as, and who you want them to be. Amen.